We're talking mental performance, physical performance, and dealing with trauma today with Dr. Don Wood. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast, Competitor Nation. Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and we are back with today's brand new episode with Dr. Don Wood talking about trauma. How the trauma we know we went through and maybe the trauma stuck in our subconscious affects how we perform today. Affects how we show up, how we interact with our relationships. And so today is a pretty interesting conversation where Don and I dive into the weeds of performance, of neuroplasticity, of how our brains work, of the Google searches going on in the back of your brain at all times. And how all of us in the world today have some sort of trauma, some more than others, but each of us have some trauma throughout our lives that's impacting how we interact with people, how we perform, and how we can better influence and lead others. And why it's so incredibly important for you listening to the show today, for you leading others, impacting others to face and deal with some of that trauma so that you can better use your platform, your story, and your experience to help others going through those same situations. As always, to get in touch with the show, shoot me an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And if you're not in the Morning Competitor Club, you got to get in there, get started with us. All you got to do is text the word podcast to 972-945-9113. And every morning, I'm going to shoot you a text to start your day on the right note with the focus, the intention, and sometimes some motivation to show up and compete today to get your goals, to pursue your victory, to build your best life. So all you got to do, text podcast to 972-945-9113. And I'm going to talk to you in the morning about that. But before we get to tomorrow, let's dive in today. Welcoming to the show, Dr. Don Wood. Doc, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I I am as well. Uh, Being introduced by mutual friend Jess Holland, who Jess was on the show, man, four years ago, I think, four or five years ago, talking about some of her military background. And so we'll link to that in the show notes. But I'm excited to talk with you about a conversation point and topic that some of our listeners may not be uh, ready for or expecting here on the Compete Everyday Show. And that's a lot around trauma and really what we go through in life. And so before we dive into trauma, I would love to hear a little bit of your background about what led you down this path. Uh, to the work that you do today? Well, really, I mean, I've been an athlete all my life as well. So that's why I love being on your show because it's just talking to athletes. I love working with athletes. But I grew up in this idyllic childhood, very loving, nurturing home, no trauma. I just assumed everybody was living like that. And I really believe that that was a major influence on my skill level as well, even in sports. Because what I always talk about, the key to reaching your highest level of performance is to be able to stay present and in the moment. But our minds don't work like that necessarily. And so mine was pretty much like that. Um, And I thought everybody lived like that. I didn't realize until I met my wife that she was living in a completely different household with a very traumatic childhood from her father. And so she had a very difficult time trying to stay present and she was living constantly in fear. Well, that was going to affect, so she wasn't necessarily a, a, uh, an athlete a lot. She, you know, she was, she's actually a pretty good athlete, but she didn't really play anything because 
her lifestyle as a child did not get promoted that way. She probably would have been very good, but she was constantly living in that fear. So it affected her school performance. She was sort of a BC student and yet she's brilliant. She was so smart, but she couldn't stay focused because she said she could read a page on a book and have to reread the page because she just couldn't focus. The reason being is because she couldn't stay present. She was thinking about what was happening subconsciously, not consciously, but subconsciously, she was worried about what happened to her last night, worried about what's going to happen when she goes home from school today. So how could she possibly focus? So I say when we have this unresolved trauma, it affects performance. It actually affects the ATP, the energy in the cell. And so when we release that and we get that resolved, we actually have more energy, more power. And I've got many examples of athletes that I've worked with that have won world championships, broke world records with no difference in their training, like literally within days of going through the program because they're able to stay more in the moment. So when my daughter was 14, she was diagnosed with Crohn's and that really led my wife into trying to figure out an answer. And there was no answer. It was just live, manage and cope with it and just medicate her. And so that's what led me to start researching because what I did in my research was made a connection between trauma and health, which also affects performance. So that was sort of where the connection came in and why we called our pro program uh, Inspired Performance Institute and not trauma therapy is because I start from the premise that there's nothing wrong with anybody. Everybody's mind works perfectly fine. However, it's being affected by these events and experiences that continue to loop. And that was keeping my daughter in an unhealthy inflamed state, which was then compromising her immune system and compromising her neurotransmitters. When we resolved the trauma, she stopped having Crohn's. So there's a direct connection between health, physical and mental health and unresolved trauma. Well, and we've talked about it here on the show before of, of how stress, mental stress and anxiety and carrying that in, in affects your physical side. It affects your perform, not only just your performance in the moment, but how well your body recovers, how well you're able to stay locked in. And so if I'm hearing you correctly, from a trauma standpoint, it's very similar. What's going on in our brain is affecting us from a physical standpoint, as well as how we show up. And a lot of times we're probably not aware of that. If that's what I'm, I'm hearing correctly, it's kind of running in the background, almost like the computer we're running on right now. We're recording this on Zoom, but it's got other things that are running in the background that I can't see, but it's, it's doing. Do our brains operate similarly? Exactly. I always compare it to a computer. So we can think about the brain as the computer, the body's the printer. The body is responding to the commands from the computer. The, comp the printer is not going to print until it gets a command, right? The same thing with the body. So the body, so if the mind or the brain is not functioning, has got what I call glitches and error messages, it's going to affect the way the printer works or the body works. And so all we have to do is get that resolved and stress also does. So current stress has an effect, but it's also exaggerated by previous events and experiences that continue to use that as a reference for the current stress. So it's actually multiplying. I call those emotional concussions. So if you've had a series of these emotional concussions, they have a cumulative effect on you and it sort of builds up. And so then that's going to affect the way that you perform.
a great example is I worked with just recently, I worked with a, uh, the, the spouse of a uh, professional athlete who said that she had been going through some really difficult situations and that her husband was trying to help her and, and deal with it. And he ended up getting injured. And she says he had two injuries he's never had before. And she really believed that she's made that connection now between his stress about her and his ability to heal, which makes a lot of sense. It, yeah, it does because there's, there's so much going on. And obviously if our body is not firing optimally, we're more likely to get injured. I, I, I can't help but think about things that happen to us in our life that produce some areas of this trauma that maybe we're not aware of. And, and I'm curious from some of your standpoint, I would imagine going through the program helps reveal that because I think on my end, I probably had a pretty similar childhood like you did. I would say it was pretty safe for the most part. Um, but the, always the one thing I always remember going back to is being in first grade and getting a hit in the face with a baseball mm -hmm. and going from being able to bat a thousand on coach pitch and machine and everything like that to even a pitching machine, not even being able to stand in the plate uh, or in the batter's box whatsoever, because my brain is automatically without me even being aware of seeing a baseball and associating it with getting hit in the face. Whereas that's very physical, but later in life, you look at other individuals who have gone through very traumatic relationships. Like you talked about with your wife and, and her father growing up or, or my wife and, and her ex uh, past relationship that became very abusive and, and how those dynamics impact how we react today. And, and I believe this came up for you in terms of how the dialogue with your wife was initially going on where you would say something and she would receive it very differently. And a lot of times we talk about that from, Hey, people just communicate differently, but you talk about how it's actually the trauma and the experiences of the past shape a lot of times how we're receiving this information, but that can be changed. Is that correct? Did I? Yeah, you nailed it. Okay. No, perfect. Cause here's what's happening. So if I said something like this to my wife, no, I don't like that. She could tear up and start to cry and say, why are you upset with me? And to me, that made no sense to me because I'm saying, I'm not upset. What makes you think I'm upset? What I didn't understand at the time is that she had learned to listen very carefully to the way her father spoke. So if there was a slight little tension in my voice, because maybe I was frustrated from something at work that day or maybe on the drive home, I couldn't hear that if you paid me. Yet children or people who, especially when they're younger, have been traumatized are very sensitive to sound. So she heard it completely different. She wasn't wrong and I wasn't wrong. I wasn't upset. She couldn't hear me not being upset. So that, so what her mind would do, and this again, this is what I discovered through my research, is that her mind, I thought it was what I just said that she responded to, and it wasn't. Her mind does a Google search. What do we know about men who start to get upset? And a flood of data from her childhood would be coming in, dysregulating her nervous system. She didn't know that. I didn't know that. She thought it was what I said. I thought it was what I said. And so then that could create a problem in a marriage if I'm constantly activating her nervous system. And then she starts accusing me of being upset. And I'm going, no, I didn't say it like that. And she'd go, yes, you did. And I says, well, now I'm getting upset because you're accusing me of something I didn't do. But we were both right. And yeah, that's very hard. Yeah. So the good news for her, though, is at least she wasn't activating my nervous system. 
you know, because I didn't have the trauma she had. But if I had had, you know, maybe a father that or a mother that was accusing me of the same thing she just accused me of, then a flood of data would come into my nervous system and then start activating me. And before you know it, we're screaming and yelling at each other. So a lot of times when people start, when we start to talk about this kind of stuff, it, it usually the recommendation from a relational level is just go to counseling, work on mm-hmm. how you communicate with each other. But if I'm learning a little bit of this, that works, but it, it's maybe going just below the surface where the work into the trauma is what we really dive into to pull the splinter out, for lack of a better phrase, that's, that's causing the issue. Exactly. Get to the root because the current system, you know, in counseling and therapy is to teach you to live and manage and cope with it. And what I'm saying is, no, it's a glitch. It's coming from this Google search of this stored information that keeps activating your nervous system. It's not supposed to be doing that. It's, It's supposed to be able to be able to stay present and deal with a threat that's happening now. But there's no threat happening now. It's just information. So when I worked with, you know, say Rebecca from the Boston Marathon bombing, when she first sat down talking to me, she's shaking and crying. And I said, you know why you're shaking and crying? And she says, well, because I'm talking about what happened to me. And I said, yeah, that's right. But your mind thinks there's a bomb about to go off because it's looking at the data from the Boston Marathon that day. And your subconscious mind is fully present in the moment and it's survival based. So it thinks that information about the bomb from five and a half years ago is happening now. If there was a bomb right behind you, you want your mind to protect you yeah. to create a response to it. But it's the glitch. It's the error message. That's going on for humans all the time. No animal can possibly do that. It's only humans that store the details like that. Let me let me ask you on that note, and there's there's two parts to this. The, it sounds a lot like what we're diving into is a little – is obviously not a little, it's a lot of neuroplasticity and how our brain responds, but the fight or flight method. Mm-hmm. And really that fight or flight has been with us forever. And, and, but what we see now is when we have these fears, the body's flooded and there's, there's nowhere to run. We, we don't have any need to physically run, but our body's responding as if, can you talk about how your work really works with that fight or flight? Because we still want to maintain it, but we, and have the history of, I need to move from the situation, but we need to be more mindful in the present of what the situation is. Yeah. It's really actually a very simple fix. So if I asked you what you ate for dinner last night, can you tell me what you ate for dinner? Sushi. Sushi. So I know this isn't being videoed, but you looked yeah. up. I had right? no, I had to think about it for a minute. <laughs> but you saw pictures, right? Of yep. what you ate. That's how you stored the information about dinner last night. But because it wasn't a threatening traumatic situation, it's stored as a fairly low resolution file. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of data brought in, simple storage. When we have a traumatic event, all your senses are heightened because you're on hypervigilance. So your sight, your smell, your hearing are all increased, taking in tremendous amounts of information, everything about that event. And it's storing it what I call high resolution. So when I have you in the session, what I do is I take you through a process that gets your mind. We we look at two or three events. That's all we have to do. We'll take two or three events in your lifetime that have been stored like that. And I take you through some techniques that gets your mind to reprocess that data into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. By the time I'm finished, you could talk about it without shaking and crying and feeling the emotion because the only purpose to an emotion is a call for an action. 
The purpose of fear is to escape a threat. The purpose of anger is to attack or extinguish a threat. So if you think about something that happened to you five years ago and you feel fear, that doesn't make any sense. You should not be feeling that. The only reason you're feeling that is because your mind thinks that something's happening. It's seeing it in real time, in high definition. So now your mind wants you to go into action about something that's not happening, but you don't even know that that's what it is. You're just feeling the emotion and your body goes into a fight or flight state. Let me ask you uh, along those same lines for, and I would say imaginary trauma is the way I'm thinking about this and, and what, how I'm trying to describe it of take the movie Jaws, for instance. Mm-hmm. No greater movie terrified people to get into the ocean, despite the fact that shark attacks are slim. But you ask people to jump off a boat into the ocean, their mind immediately goes to sharks, despite not never having any experience with the shark, never being attacked, never seeing one in the ocean. They're terrified in the water of not being able to see. Where does, I don't even know if that's imaginary trauma or just fears, where does that kind of play into this process? Because your brain is somewhere else in that moment versus where you are in the, in the exact water. Exactly. So what it's done is it stored the information about that movie, even though the movie wasn't real. Yeah. Your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between real or imagined. Hollywood has made trillions of dollars from this. They can make us sit in a movie and cry or shake or whatever they want because your subconscious sees that information in real time. So your, your conscious mind, your logical part of your mind is only operating about 5%. It's brilliant, right? It's our intellect, but 95% of everything that's happening for you is done on a subconscious survival base. So when your mind sees that information, it wants to create a response to it because it thinks something's happening. Your logical brain is saying, oh, that's Leonardo DiCaprio playing in a movie called Titanic. And your subconscious goes, Jack's drowning and he's going to die because it sees it real. And there's where the emotion comes from because your mind is not okay with Jack drowning in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Then when you do, you using the Jaws example, perfect example, when your mind then thinks about the water, it does its Google search. What do we know about water? Oh yeah, Jaws. Right. And it, and it remembers sharks. And all of a sudden it's like, I can't jump in that water now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because your mind thinks that could be a shark and it's seeing data about sharks. And so it's a really a matter of going through the work and investing the work to, to reprogram how those Google searches are coming about. Yep. Yep. And it's very fast. I generally work on an event like that. So for example, again, we'll use Rebecca. Yeah. Right. We did about two minutes of that event. By the time I was finished, she could talk about it. She's like, this is incredible. I'm discussing it now. I'm not shaking. I'm not crying. I'm not feeling the emotion. And I says, because your mind now understands there's no action required. It's only information. What do we need to do about World War II? Nothing. There's no action required. But your mind, if it thinks there's an action, it's going to call for it. That's the glitch. And if you've had a lot of trauma in your life, your my wife was constantly being activated, called into action. So she, her thyroid burns out. She, she ended up with hypothyroidism because her cortisol levels were through the roof. She was constantly being activated. It's not designed to do that. It's like getting in your car, stepping on the gas all the way down to the floor, but using the brake to keep you going 30. 
you're going to burn out something. Yeah. And how many, uh, just in your work and research and obviously conversations, how many or what percentage of Americans do you think are, are struggling with this? Because, you know, you and I just talked about, we had pretty normal childhood, no, no major trauma, but there's still instances that have impacted how we, our brain processes those Google searches. I would say probably 80% of people are suffering from some form of childhood trauma. And, and then it could even be in an adulthood, but specifically, in particular, sexual abuse. Sexual abuse is the real pandemic that people aren't talking about. They never talk about it because it, there's the shame that comes along with it. Uh, it happened to my wife. It happened to my daughter. And when I, you know, first met my wife, you know, she disclosed it before we got married. She wanted to. She says, "I can't not let you know what's gone on in my life." So she discloses stuff, but swore me to secrecy. I don't want anybody to ever know. You can never tell anybody. And I was like, but why? See, that didn't make any sense to me because I didn't feel, it didn't affect the way I felt about her. Yeah. And yet in her mind, people were going to judge her and think differently of her. So she swore me to secrecy. Now she'll sit and talk to you. No problem. You know, well, she can share it with you. And what, what I love about that and, and what I want to really emphasize for listeners about this that goes back to what you talked about working with Rebecca is the ability to tell the story and tell your experience and go through it without being emotionally locked into it. Uh, because that, you know, one of the things I learned when I started working with my speaking coach years ago was you have to process the emotions, the story before you can ever get it on stage. Like you don't ever want to be on stage telling a story while trying to process it because you, the audit, you're going to lose the audience. Yep. You're going to break down. And so what this whole thing does and, and your work does, and especially the thing we've got for our listeners is it creates an opportunity to work on that trauma, which then allows you as a leader to be able to share your experience, whatever you went through with others who, because of that, Others have been through those same situations. There are other people who've had some of those same traumatic experiences and you have the opportunity to talk to them about your journey and overcoming it without being so trapped in it that you're able, you're not able to get out of it. And so like your wife now, she can sit and talk to you about it. She has that opportunity to talk to other people who have gone through it. Uh, whereas before she's probably like, I'm not going to say a word. Everybody's on their own versus having that leader's role and ability to influence others because you've dealt with that trauma, you've processed it. And now you're able to sit kind of outside of it. It takes that shame and guilt away from it because what's the purpose of shame and guilt is to modify how you do something. Yep. So that's trying to protect you. So what happened, I had a lady who would come in and she was a coach. She was a women, she coached women. And she says, I feel like I'm a phony. I feel like an imposter because I've had all this trauma earlier in my life. She says, but I can't share it with the people I'm coaching because if I do, I'll just break down and then I'll lose all my credibility. How could I be helping you if I'm falling apart? So she never talked about it. So she would basically just ignore it and then just deal with their issue. After she went through our program, I ran into her three months later at, an, at a conference. And she says, I just want to share something with you. She said, I was doing a retreat for these women. And she says, and I was upstate, I was on stage and I've been talking for a little while. And all of a sudden she says, I'm like 15 minutes into my talk. And she says, and I just realized I was sharing all my stuff about what happened to me as a child. And she says, and people like are loving the fact that I could share that it made me more relatable to them and allowed me to be a better coach. 
love it yeah. love it love it well as we start to wrap up today i know you have something for our listeners and before we tell them what it is i would love to hear what the tip digital experience is a little bit about um, and then i'm excited to be able to share that offer with our listeners today as well yeah, so we have basically two different ways to deliver the program. One is a one-on-one with me where you come in and I sit down and take you through the four-hour process. We realized after a while that that's not going to be, I'm not uh, Superman, so I can't be everywhere at every moment, right? So that's not scalable. So we developed the digital experience, which is the same four-hour process with me guiding you through it. And, you know, again, I'm sure your listeners are probably fairly high-functioning people. They're very capable of doing that digital program. They don't need somebody sitting with them the whole time. If they do, that's fine too. But at the same time, they can actually get through the online digital experience. It's the same four hours, same program. I just guide you through it. Um, And I know we're offering a discount for anybody who wants to do that program for your listeners. Yep, yep. I think it's going to be in the show notes, but it's gettip, G-E-T-T-I-P-P dot com slash compete. Yep. And audience will get 15% off that digital experience and then limited spots for the personalized experience at a reduced founders rate. So that's gettipp.com slash compete. We'll link to it as well in the show notes. And then we'll do it again at the end uh, just for listeners. But yeah, I mean, we've got a a number of high achieving people. I mean, the people that listen to this show are, are always striving to beat their own yesterday. And so this just creates another competitive advantage for them getting closer to their full potential because you're able to rewire how your brain works a little bit, which helps you perform better in whatever arena you're currently trying to be your best. So I love that. I I just love this work and obviously super glad Jess connected us. Uh, In addition to the offer and everything, where can people follow along with a little more of your work and get connected? Um, if you go to our website, which is Inspired Performance Institute, you can check in. I've, I've got a LinkedIn page, all that kind of stuff. So you can get a lot of information off of that. You can look at some of the testimonials on our site that may be relatable if you've had something similar, you know, from anxiety, panic attacks, all those kind. Of, like some of the top athletes in the world now are starting to share that they have panic attacks. They have anxiety attacks. I, I worked with one gentleman. You'll see his testimonial, Tim Burke. And Tim is a golfer. He competes in the long drive championships. He came in to see me in 2019 and he was going to the first tournament of the year in Phoenix. And after Tim went through our program, I said, the key, Tim, is I want you performing in an alpha brainwave state. Alpha is a very relaxed, focused brainwave state. When we have a lot of stress, we move into a higher beta state and that's draining power. So I took Tim through the program and I saw on the golf channel that he was in the finals on Monday night. So I texted him and I said, how are you feeling? And he responded back with three words. He goes, alpha, baby, alpha. And he won that tournament, won the first two out of the three tournaments of the year and made the finals of every tournament all year long. And he said, I've never been so calm competing in any sport. He's also a baseball player. So that's the key, keep your system regulated and he said, I would have gotten knocked out of that first tournament because I had two really bad shots in a row. And he says, the first thing that started to happen is my mind started going, oh, no, oh, no, something's wrong, right? Change my driver, right? Change my grip. 
he says, and then I did what you taught me. And he says, and I felt that instant calm come back over me. And he said, I started striping the balls. His final drive, I think it was 459 yards. <laughs> I said, I don't go that far on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's uh, wow. That's awesome. What a great testimony. What a great opportunity for listeners. Uh, we'll link to it again in the show notes, but get tip.com slash compete. You'll get 15% off and then the opportunity to join some of those personalized experiences. Doc, thank you incredibly for taking time out today to join the show. Well, thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. You heard it here on the show, competitors. If you want to find out more about what Dr. Wood was talking about today, visit gettip.com slash compete. That's G-E-T-T-I-P-P.com slash compete. And you'll get 15% off the tip digital experience and access to one of the limited spots for his personalized experience at the founder's rate. You'll find out more about how you can face that trauma and deal with it. But if you're ready to go to the next level, visit gettip.com slash compete for Dr. Wood's exclusive offer for the Compete Everyday community that he was so incredibly gracious to share with us. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To listen to past episodes, be sure to check out podcast.competeeveryday.com. And to get in touch with the show, email us at podcast at Everybody wants to win, but not everybody's willing to compete for that victory. Since you're one who will, show up today and win. We're cheering for you.